0: This is day three together of our look at 1 Corinthians 3. We're talking this week about what to do when Christians don't act like they should, when they start to act worldly, when they start to act like the things of this world are more important than the things of Christ. And today I want to address a very important and, for, for some of us, a very, very meaningful subject. And that is, what do you do when somebody starts acting worldly? Maybe they're in the business world and they start to give up their integrity maybe they're a friend of yours in the neighborhood and you see that they're using tricks to try to get ahead. They start to act this way. They start to act worldly and the world, because they like worldly, starts to pick up on it and actually it does seem to begin to look like they're getting ahead in the world. And so this Christian who's acting not Christian because they're willing to go out and get drunk with people at the end of the day or they're willing to cut this this, uh, integrity away from a deal so that they can make a better deal, All of a sudden, they get the promotion and you don't. All of a sudden, it seems like they're gaining blessings from God that you're not. What do you do when that happens? You see, many times the squeaky wheel gets the grease and when it comes to Christians who are not acting Christian, the crying baby gets the milk. So what do you do then? You do this third thing that Paul talks about in this chapter. You realize it's not all about here and now. So number three, you look to your eternal reward. If you live for the here and now, you're going to get more and more worldly because the world is all about the here and now. But if you want to act more and more like Jesus, you're going to live like he lived. And he looked to the cross, past the cross, to the eternal reward of us being with him forever. And Paul says that's the same thing that you and I need to do. Look to your eternal reward. Listen to what he says in verses 12 to 15. If any man builds on this foundation, remember the foundation is Jesus, If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, the work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Now, what do these verses mean? They mean three things I wanna talk to you about for a few moments. Number one, what we've built into our lives that will last will be rewarded. Number two, what we've built into our lives that will not last will be lost. And number three, whatever our rewards or loss, as believers, our salvation is secure. What we've built into our lives that will last will be rewarded. What we built into our lives that will not last will be lost. Whatever our reward or lost, our salvation as believers is secure. And it's all built on this day that Paul talks about in verse 13. What is this day? If you look at it in most Bibles, it's capitalized. It's talking about the day of judgment. He's referring back to what those in Corinth had read in the Old Testament, this day, the day of the Lord, the day of judgment that is coming. And a day of judgment is coming a time of judgment. A time of judgment for both unbelievers and for believers. The Bible talks about both. The Bible talks about a day of judgment for unbelievers, which is called the great white throne judgment by some. That's the day where you stand before God and hear that because you did not trust him, you will depart from him, be separate from him for all eternity. That is a judgment of separation from God. There's another judgment, and that's the one that these verses focus on, a judgment for believers. Now, the word judgment is a difficult word to use here because most of us think that judgment involves punishment, but a judgment can also be something good. You can get a judgment in a trial, and all of a sudden, you've got a huge amount of cash in your bank that you didn't have because the judgment was favorable to you. The second judgment, the judgment for believers, is called by some the Bema judgment. It's from the Greek word bema, which means judgment seat or seat of reward, actually, is the idea. And the best picture you and I would have of this seat, this place, is at an Olympics where you see the three Olympians standing up on the three platforms being rewarded with medals. It's a time of reward. Those who did not win the race are not standing at that place of reward. Those who did win the race are getting incredible rewards because of the way they've invested their lives. There's a judgment here. And this judgment Paul pictures as a fire but it's not a fire of separation from God. It's not a fire of punishment. Notice it's a fire in these verses that tests the quality. It's not testing your skin. Your life is testing the quality of what you built into your life. He says some build with gold, silver, precious stones. Those things, fire, fire does not destroy those things. In fact, it just tempers those things. But he says others build into their lives with wood, hay, and straw. Fire, poof, they're gone. Some things in our lives are like wood, hay, and straw. They may look nice, even impressive, but they will not stand the test of eternity. There are a lot of things in this world that will not last beyond this world. Absolutely. You have a lot of things in your life that won't last even beyond this year. Now, we need a house over our head. We need certain things to survive. But if I spend all of my time and energy in getting a bigger house or more and more things to impress the people that are around me, all I'm doing is adding wood to the bonfire as I head into eternity. Even with a house, by the way, I can use that house to impress others for my own pride, or I can use it to influence people for good. In the end, we will see what is truly important. In the end, we will be rewarded for what we've built into our lives that truly lasts. Someone asked me about this. Are we going to be embarrassed in the presence of Jesus at the judgment? No, absolutely not. The Bible says we're going to stand before him blameless in many places. You can't stand blameless and be embarrassed at the same time. We all know that we could be embarrassed in the presence of Jesus because we know our own sins, we know our own hearts. But that is not what this judgment for believers is all about. As believers, John 5 tells us that we've already passed out of judgment into life. Romans 8 tells us that there's no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we do not give an account to God that will involve whether we'll be saved or not, and we do not give an account to God that will involve whether we're ashamed or not. Yet, the New Testament clearly tells us here, we're going to give an accounting. There is going to be a judgment. What's it about? It's about rewards. It's about rewards that will be gained or rewards that will be lost. If you have invested in that which will last, there is great reward in that. And every little investment in that which will last, you'll be rewarded in that in this moment and rejoice in that. If you've invested in that which will not last, if you've invested in that which will burn away, you'll be saved But Scripture says, as through fire, everything that you thought you were going to carry into heaven with you is just burned away. So the motivation for this accounting is not guilt. It's not the possibility of shame because all of us as believers are going to stand unashamed in God's presence. The motivation is greater glory to God by my investing in that which will bring praise to him for all eternity. Now, what is this? Gold and silver and precious stones. How do I invest in that kind of way? Well, let's boil this all down. You want to build that which lasts. Let your motivation in whatever you do be love. How you use your house, how you use your car, why you bought your house, why you bought your car. Even those things that are everyday things in life, the meals that you have, the everyday common things. Let your motivation for the things in this world be love. The scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to get there later, that love is eternal. It always lasts. I don't know about you, but there are all kinds of reasons I do what I do. The motivation that will last through this life and into the next is the motivation of love. You see, you can even be doing very spiritual-looking things, but the motivation is pride. And maybe it blesses others, the ministry that you're doing. But, for instance, if I'm teaching you right now and my motivation is pride, what do you think of me? My motivation is pride. What do I think about myself? You might get blessed by my teaching, but what I'm doing, is just gonna get burned up. I want my motivation to be love because I love the Lord and I love you and I love the opportunity together to look at God's word. Nothing will ignite your life like remembering God's love for you and asking him for the strength to love others. That's what you build on. That's what lasts. Let's talk to him for a few minutes right now. Jesus, I wanna build on what lasts. Forgive me for those times when I get caught up in myself when I get caught up in my stuff, when I get caught up in what doesn't last, whether it's by comparing or because of my pride, forgive me. And Lord, motivate me. Motivate me by your love to build on love in my life. Help me to grow in that, just a little bit, each and every day of my life, a little bit more deeply in love with you and a little bit more building on love in my life. I ask this, Jesus, that this would happen today. I ask this in your name, amen.